I thought I would show apropos um, when I was at the hospital this week with Sarah and uh, Bama's parents and thinking about Sunday as we're walking through this series, uh, Summer with the Shepherd and the 23rd Psalm, because the verse that is for today that has already been set up in advance, in the King James Version says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. God knows what we need when we need it, huh? Well, today, I want to I look at that verse, and I want to unpack it, because here, here's what I know. No matter who you are or where you're at, um, a lot of us are going through dark valleys of our own. So if you would, why don't you take your sermon outline out, look with me. I want to read this passage again from the New Living Translation, and uh, I, I want to unpack it for you. By the way, just a reminder, we have Bibles in the pews in front of you that you are not only more than welcome to use during the service, you are more than welcome to take those home with you. Uh, if you need a Bible or know someone who does, please feel free. We do have them in English and in Spanish, so make sure you grab the right version. Um, let's look at the passage in Psalm 23, 4. Read it out loud with me, would you? Even when I walk through the darkest valley... I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Uh, today, I, I want to give you some words of encouragement. Uh, if you're facing a dark valley, in the middle of a dark valley, or heading into a dark valley, here's what I want you to know. You are never alone. I am never alone. Would you say that out loud with me? I am never alone alone. I, I want to unpack this. I want to give you just a couple of things, maybe some hooks you can hang on to, or, or some th things that might be a, a word of encouragement or strength to you. Uh, let's talk about dark valleys for a second. Here's the first one. Believe it or not, dark valleys are a part of everyone's journey. They're absolutely a part of everyone's journey. When you go through a dark valley, look at me, it's not personal. It's not about you being singled out. The reality is what I can promise you is every single person in this room watching online, every single one of you will go through a dark valley. You either have gone through one, you are going through one, or there is one coming. Uh, we all struggle with health issues at some point. Most of us struggle with financial issues at some point. Uh, we, almost all of us deal with relational issues at some point. And you know what? Everybody dies. Everybody dies. We don't, we don't always know when. Uh, sometimes it's, it seems very unfair. Uh, like this week. Um, I had a funeral yesterday for a woman who had been a part of our church for a long time. She was 83 years old. And then you have Bama, who was only 33 years old. And we have Verda May, who's still alive. In September, she'll be 103 years old. Um, you know, it, 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 we, what we know is that, you know, it, it, it's not always fair. I had a kid in my youth group years ago had a great saying when everybody, somebody would say, well, you know, that's not fair. He goes, you know, you're right. Uh, a fair is where you ride the rides and eat cotton candy. This is life. And that's a very true statement. And the journey, the, when we think about these dark valleys, they're just a part of everybody's journey. And, and I, I love what, I put this on your outline. You'll notice in the Psalm, the Psalmist never said, if I go through the darkest valley, he said what? When I go through the darkest valley. It's not a matter if, it's when. And three thoughts about that, the, about this being a part of every, everybody's journey. One is, dark valleys um, are simply a part of living in a fallen world. I need to say that. 
Dark valleys are simply a part of living in a falling world. You know, one of the questions we often ask, especially in a tragedy like this week, <coughs> we go, why? Why? The answer to that is very simple. We live in a fallen world. In a fallen world, it doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. Uh, Jesus was really clear about that uh, in John chapter 16 in, in verse 33. Uh, look at what he said. Read it out loud with me. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Did you catch that? Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Now, how many of you have found that to be true? It's just the way it is. It's just simply a part of living in this fallen planet. Really interesting, when I was reading some of what Philip Keller had to say and some other authors about shepherding and the sheep and walking through valleys like this, they talked about the fact that the valleys are actually a necessary part. They said that during the summer months, when the summer months start, and, and the grass begins to fade uh, and starts getting thin, they actually have to take the sheep up to higher elevations in the mountains where the snow has been because the grass will still be there and, and they'll be able to feed them and take care of them. And they said, but the interesting part of this is that you have to go through the valleys to get up onto the mountains. And we were talking about this, and I'm going to give you just a couple of pictures. This will help you just kind of get a visual of what the shepherds were writing about. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is uh, from Palestine. You'll notice this is one of the valleys that they're talking about. And you'll notice how, how steep those, those ridges are on either side. And that's why when we talk about walking through the dark valleys, you can imagine it doesn't take the sun to be gone very late in the day before it starts getting dark in those places. Throw that next picture up. Here's a picture you'll see they're walking along, and of course, during those valleys, that's where the water will flow. And so as they're taking them up to the, to the, to the higher elevations, they're able to, to water the sheep along the way. They're able to find uh, grass, little patches of grass. They're able to get water along the way. Throw that next picture up on the screen. And then you can just kind of, you can kind of see that this is what the terrain looks like. And this, this is such a great picture of life. Because if you'll think about it, think about us walking through the valleys as, as we're taking this journey. I want you to notice up on, the, on these hillsides, you notice all those caves and crevices? What do you think hides up there? Wild animals. Yeah. All the dangers that sheep have, have you know, the, those things are all up there, which is why the shepherd had to be you know, very close, which is why it was in these valleys where, where the sheep really had to get close to the shepherd because you know, there are mountain lions, there's things up there that are going, to, are going to attack the sheep. And I thought, man, isn't that true for us? You know, we're walking through these valleys, and in the crevices all around us are all of these dangers of life that happen, the financial disasters, the, the relational upheavals, the, you know, the health issues, all of these things that come cascading out of that. That's the valley that we're walking through. It's simply a part of living in a fallen world. But there's another reason why we have to walk through these valleys, and you're not going to like this one, but they are the places that God actually strengthens us. They are the places that God uses to actually strengthen us. You know, what's funny is that so often we forget when, when we pray things like, Lord, help me to be a man of God, you know, or help me to have great faith. How do you think that happens? 
You know, do you, do you think you pray that prayer and God just goes zap, you know, and just shoots you with it and then you've got it and you walk, you know, you, you get up and you're, and you're strong or you're mature or, oh, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. It, building faith is like building muscle. There, there's a, a strenuous part of that, you know, that you, that you have to walk through. Um, look at the passage of scripture. I, I just love this. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just met the devil face to face. And if you remember the story, uh, the devil's taken him through a series of temptations and uh, really tried to overwhelm him. And yet Jesus kind of kept, kept being victorious at every, at every point. And then it says, and when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him, not for good, but until the next opportunity came. But look at what happened for Jesus. Read it with me. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Now, when did Jesus return to Galilee with the Holy Spirit's power? After he had been in that dark valley, after he had met the devil head on, after he had fought through all of that, he comes back in full of strength. Look at me. I know you don't like the valleys, but believe it or not, that's how God, that's what God uses to make you who you want to be. Why do we hire fitness trainers? To punish us. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny when a friend of mine would say they hired a fitness trainer and, you know, they pay him 50 bucks an hour and the fitness trainer says, give me 50 push-ups, you know, do 25 crunches, do these pull-ups. And I'm going, if I'm paying somebody money, I want him doing the push-ups. I want, you know, I want, I want him to do that. But that, you don't get strong that way. You have, you have to go through that. Uh, Keith Gay, one of the members of our congregation, sent me this picture last week and I just thought this was so good. Throw that up for me. And I thought, this, isn't this true? When, when I think of where I want to go in my life, that's the trail I want to ride. You know, when I think of, you know, I have this, you know, inspiration from God of who I want to be, and I go, man, that's what I'm going to, and I'm just going to mm, zoom right there. But yet, look at God's plan and how that's different from ours. As God takes us through those rocky places and as God takes us over those precarious bridges, as, as we have to navigate those waters and have to, we have to fight through those storms, that's the path that God takes. Why? Because he doesn't like you? No. Because he's trying to make you into who he's called you to be. That's how God strengthens us. And believe it or not, too, third, those dark valleys are the places where closeness or intimacy is cultivated. Let me say that again. Those places, those are the places where, where closeness or intimacy is cultivated. Now, what's funny is sometimes it's when we're in those dark valleys that it feels like, doesn't it sometimes? God is a million miles away, but he is not. In fact, sometimes in those moments when you can't see him, God is actually the closest Look at, the, look at the passage of Scripture from uh, Psalm 34, 18. Read it out loud. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You know what's so interesting in this psalm is when the psalm talk starts out, you know, the psalmist is saying, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, I, I won't be in need. He, he does this. He does this. But you notice in this verse, it's, there's a turn. And all of a sudden, he says, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, you are with me. 
Notice the intimacy there. All of a sudden, he's not speaking about God in second person. Now, now he's speaking directly to the Lord. You, you are right there beside me. Intimacy is born that way. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, several years ago, I was teaching some Gary Smalley material. And we're talking about families and strengthening our families. And uh, they had done a survey of what makes families close. You know, what separates families who are close-knit from families that are not? And they, they did a whole bunch of surveys, and they were trying to gather the data. And, the, and it, when it was all said and done, the, the results were so surprising. Gary Smalley said what they discovered was that the biggest common denominator for all these families that are close was that they went camping. I want you to let that sink, sink in for a second. How many of you camp or take in your family's camping? And how many of you have had disasters as you've gone camping? Yes. Well, and that was the point. And what they said was what, what happened was not the fact that they camped, but as, as they did camp, they had these disasters that happened. And the families that navigated those disasters, they had to pull together, depend on each other, and, and really do that in order to make it work. And they said, what's funny is that it is the adversity. It is the people having to pull together to deal with adversity that creates intimacy. Didn't we experience that on May 20? 2013, when we went through that tornado, and, and all of a sudden, man, it, 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 we didn't care what church people were from or what they were doing. All of a sudden, this whole community was pulling together because we needed each other. You remember that? And that's exactly what he's talking about. And it's the same with God. It's in those moments, and some of you could testify to it, in those moments when you have gone through those hard places and you have to lean into God, that's when you really draw near. Those dark valleys, they're a part of everybody's journey, and believe it or not, they're a necessary part of the journey. That's how we get to the higher levels with our Lord. Another observation about the dark valleys is that the dark valleys are those places where we find both comfort and empowerment. Those places that we find both comfort and empowerment. Again, if I were to just ask for testimonies, I, I know that there are many of you who could talk about a, a really dark time that you were in and how God drew near to you because he does. I, I love the passage from Psalms 10, 10, 17. Read it with me, church. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and you will comfort them. Last Sunday after church, uh, when Wanda and I were leaving, um, I was talking with Linda Knoll, a longtime Chartel member, and, and she was talking about when she was a kid that her grandfather uh, was a shepherd. He had, he had sheep. And she said, you know, there was a, a time when uh, she was out there with him when they had a, a ewe that gave birth to a little lamb, and the ewe, the mother, mothering lamb, uh, died. And she said, it was so sad. And she said, my grandfather picked up this little, this little newborn lamb and, and took it into the house. And said he took it over and he, he washed it off. He got, it, he got the little lamb all clean. And, and then he, she said he, he let her hold the lamb uh, while they fed it. 
And he said they, they kept that little lamb, and he nurtured that, that little lamb for, for a few days. And he said, and then, he said, my grandfather took that little newborn lamb out to where the other sheep were, and there was another mothering ewe that had given birth recently, and they took, the, they took this little lamb, and they put it over by this mothering ewe, and this mothering ewe, this, this lamb just kind of came alongside of it and took this newborn as its own. And when she was describing that, I, I just kept thinking, that's how our God is. You know, when we're in those moments and it just seems like it's so dark, God has this unbelievable way of reaching into our darkness and letting us know he's near. You know, sometimes he does that in the incredible way through the presence of his Holy Spirit. Sometimes he does that through other people that he sends our way. Sometimes he does that by bringing his word to life in a moment when we just really need it. But God has this uncanny way of giving us what we need when we need it. He's a comforter. But these moments are also empowering moments. Now, what do I mean by that? It's in those times when you go through these dark valleys and you learn how faithful God is that God sets you up to be used by him when you come alongside of someone else who's going through that same kind of dark valley. You know, Thursday night when I was up in the hospital with Sarah, and, um, and we got the, the, the really bad news from the neurosurgeons that there really was nothing that they could do. There really are no words to help somebody through that. It's just the presence of being close. But what was so cool was watching several of our young adults who are in relationship with this group to, to come up and just come alongside. And there were a group of about 10 of us up there with Sarah that evening. And... Uh, and when I was getting ready to leave and, and several of them were going to stay, I, we, we got around Sarah and we, we prayed together. And, and I kept thinking, as I know some of the stories of the people around that circle, I know some of them have been through some real deep personal loss. I, I know some of them can feel the depth of pain that she was feeling. And I thought, you know what? There are those of us who have known the sting of death in our own life. We, we know what it's like to lose someone close. And God was using them to come alongside of her just in those moments when she needed that. And you know what? God is like that. I, I love Paul said it so well in 2 Corinthians 1. Read it out loud with me. It says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Let me give you one more, and this is just a huge promise that I know many of you are going to want to hang on to. Dark valleys are a passageway, not a destination. Dark valleys are a passageway, not a destination. Don't you love what the psalmist says? Even when I walk through the dark valleys. Did you notice that? 
through the dark valleys. He's not not living there. He's not staying there. Uh, He's not going to be there forever. It it is a passage that he has to go through, but but you do go through it. You don't remain. You know what? Even, Even when life has done its worst, and it's taken the breath from our lungs, and it's taken the life from these bodies, even when, even when death comes, and that's the worst that life can do, you know what? We live on. We have that hope in our Lord Jesus Christ that when this death, when this life ends, our new life begins. And so the dark valley for us, it's not a destination. It's just a passageway that we have to take. I I don't know what your valley is that you're facing. Don't know what kind of time you're going through. Look at me. You need to hear this. It won't last forever. That dark valley you're in, God won't just take you to it. (laughs) He'll get you through it. I put this on your outline. Look at the passage of Scripture there from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. These are just great words of encouragement that Paul gives. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things, you know what, that cannot be seen. Read it with me, church. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That's why I wrote this statement. Whenever the, whatever the dark valleys feel like a tomb, remember that our Lord has conquered even the grave. If God brought you to it, ladies and gentlemen, he will bring you through it. Amen? You bet. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, Lee. That young man uh, is Tommy Dorsey. He was an incredible jazz musician back in the early 1900s, 20s, early 30s. Uh, got big into jazz. He also, as he became a Christian, started using his talents for God, and he became a, a really incredible gospel singer. He used to, to travel a lot uh, at big uh, events and, and sing and play. August of 1932, um, Tommy had been invited to, to go to St. Louis where he was going to be a part of a big revival that they were having. And uh, he lived in, in South Chicago, and uh, his wife was very, very pregnant and uh, due soon. And he, he almost didn't go, um, but she finally talked him into, no, I'll be fine, just go ahead and go. You know, he knew that people were counting on him, so please go. And he said, even with his hesitancy, he, he, he left, and, but he was really kind of torn. He said, I got to the edge of town in South Chicago, and he, he said, I realized I had forgotten my music. And I had to go back, and he said, as I, as I head back, said, maybe, maybe I'll just stay. Maybe I'll just call him and tell him I can't make it. And he said, I got back to the house, and I got my briefcase. And he said, I went in to see my wife, and he said, Nettie was, was sleeping. She was very comfortable, and she was resting. And he said, I thought to myself, okay, well, she'll, she'll be fine. And so he left. He went to the revival meeting, and while he was there, he got a telegram. And the telegram told him that his wife had gone into labor and delivered a little boy. 
but that she had died during childbirth. And he went home. Got home and he discovered that his little boy had died as well. And he buried them both in the same casket. And Tommy said, that's when I fell apart. These are his words. For days, I, I just closeted myself away. I felt like God had done me an injustice. I didn't want to serve him anymore or write gospel songs. I, I just wanted, good, wanted to go back to that jazz world that I, I once knew so well. He said, but then as I, as I hunched alone in a, that dark apartment, those first sad days, he goes, I, I thought back to that afternoon when I went to St. Louis, and he said, something kept telling me to, to stay with Nettie. He said, was, was that something God? He said, oh, if I just paid more attention to him, I, I could have stayed and at least been with Nettie when she died. And he goes, and from that moment on, I vowed that I would listen more carefully to the Lord. He said, but I was still lost in grief. Everyone was kind to me, he said, especially one friend. And that following Saturday evening, he took me up to Malone's Poro College, where a neighborhood music school, and he said, I, I got up there, and he said it was, it was quiet, and it was the late evening sun was coming through the curtained windows, and he said, I, I sat down at the piano, and he said, I just let my hands begin to browse over the keys. He said, then something happened to me. I just felt at peace. He goes, I, I felt as though I could literally just reach out and touch God. I, I found myself playing a melody. And he goes, I, and once it was in my head, he said, everything just began to seem to fall into place. And, and I began to sing these words. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. And I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. Tommy said, the Lord gave me those words and melody. And he also healed my spirit. I learned that when we are in our deepest grief, when we feel the farthest from God, this is when God is closest. And this is when we are most open to his restoring power. And so I want to go on living for God willingly and joyfully until that day when he comes and takes me gently by the hand and leads me home. God won't leave you in the dark valley. He will take you through it. Amen. Today, uh, as we close, um, I, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for any of us that may be walking through some dark or difficult times. And I want to pray that God will do exactly for us what he did for Tommy, that the Lord will just draw near, that he will take us by the hand and give us the assurance of his presence as we walk through this time. Here's what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to come down on the floor, and 
Rachel's going to lead us in singing that song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And if, and if this works for you today, if you'd like to join us for this prayer, I, I'm just going to invite you while we're singing just to slip out from where you are, just to come and join me here at the front. And we're just, we're just going to hold hands across the front. We're just going to remind each other we're not alone as we go through this. Even when we walk through the darkest valley, we are never alone. Our Father, how we thank you today that we are never alone. You never said that we would be exempt from the dark valleys, the tragedies, and the troubles that happen in this fallen world. In fact, you said we can count on it. They will happen. But that we can take heart because you have overcome them. Lord, we are so grateful today that even though dark valleys come, we're going to walk through. There is going to be another side to this. We're so thankful, God, that you are walking with us every step of the way. And I pray, Father, right now, I pray for every person here at the front. I pray for every person who's reaching out to you online. I, I pray for every person who's gone through that valley that's crying out right now, dear God, would you draw near? And I pray, Father, that you would take them by the hand. I pray that they would feel your powerful presence right there beside them. I pray that you'll give them wisdom and discernment for the journey. I pray that you'll give them strength for each step of the way. I pray that you will fill their heart with hope, no matter what they're facing. Oh, Father God, we thank you today that you are the God of all comfort, that you are the God of all peace, and that you are the God who can restore our joy. Today, we claim victory even over the dark valleys of life. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.